score, I think we, for the record, both predicted a loss to Manchester City. Yeah, you say we'll make our usual predictions, of course. By that, you mean our usual entirely wrong predictions. Uh, 2-1, both of us, in, in print and recorded. And, uh, in fact, it was a heroic victory. Yes, well, I'd just like to maintain I got 50% of my prediction correct. Uh, what was that? The two. Well, yeah, but you said they would... Oh, yeah, that's right. No, you're absolutely right. Well, well, well done, Ed. 50% yeah. correct. I think that means you're allowed to claim a moral victory. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Ba-boom. I had to get it in there. Um, the moral victory jokes are looking as tired as our midfield. It's a very strange game. I mean, talk about the cliched game of two halves, where United stormed out of the, the blocks, got the early goal, fine goal it was too and then Vincent Company sending off uh, which despite all the all the press I think was perfectly fair I mean how we can go into this but uh, a player goes in with two feet doesn't matter who takes the ball or not the referees have all been briefed on this uh, and I don't know why managers make a fuss about it they, they know right if, if you do that you get sent off and I mean maybe it's the inconsistency that managers are frustrated with because referees uh, it's quite clear for them they have to give a red card for that so anyway as, as a, an aside uh, to, to the wider point was that United were, were great for a half uh, and then really not so great for the second half and which of course where Mancini came in with his moral victory quote I mean City were good in the second half and they had much more intensity and passion and maybe a bit of anger about their play and United had none of that and it's pretty typical from United actually this season to drop off in the second half of games don't you think? Well you said at half time let's see how this goes in the second half because we could really do some damage here but we've been pretty shoddy in the second half you and I live blogged this game as a sort of experiment on unitedrant.co.uk and it was a, a heck of an ad- eventful game to start your live blogging career. Yeah, yeah, the ten-fingered typing definitely comes in helpful there, doesn't and it? An so- enormous amount going on. It started just before kick-off when something that sounded to all intents and purposes like a complete ridiculous hoax turned out to be true and Paul Scholes was on the bench. So so how did you find out about that and how did you react? Uh, well, I think uh, you gave me a call in fact and uh, and my reaction was uh, something along the lines of bloody hell the old fool's actually gone mental uh, re- referring to Ferguson's decision there of course but it, it is a really strange one and it's a sign of desperation uh, basically and, and no matter how fit Paul Scholes has kept himself training with the reserves there's nothing quite like playing games and he's 36 and he admitted himself that his legs are gone and everyone could see that his legs had gone last season so this is a very strange one and he came on for half an hour did perfectly fine aside from gifting City a goal of course well uh, combining I think I think in fairness him and Patrice ever went halves on that goal for City yeah yeah fair, fair enough but I mean that's not, not really the point in any case we, we don't really expect uh, Scars to be doing an awful lot of defending and he came on did fine and he moved the ball around and uh, and played simple passes and, and uh, that was you know he was the extra man in midfield there because United had an extra man and, and but it's going to be no absolutely no different to skulls of last season when ever uh, anyone comes across United they'll press skulls and he can't play in a two in central midfield basically I mean he, he did against City but that's very special circumstances there and, and his lack of pace and fitness and, and all of that will tell so it will basically mean he'll be playing in 20 or 30 minute bursts which is which is fine but he won't be making the contribution uh, that he used to make uh, many years ago and this is exactly why he retired and so it all makes it very strange that he's come back. It was a very peculiar set of mixed emotions uh, seeing Skulls come back. On one hand, it's just so delightful to see Paul Skulls. Um, I said that to my boss at work and he said, to be honest, I'd rather have seen him at a bus 
stop or something than, than seeing him on the pitch. I mean, it, Ferguson has spun it that the player came to him and said, boss, I'm missing it too much. Please, can I come back? And maybe there's an element of truth in that. But I think if Ferguson had proper resources, he would have said, listen, son, I'm really sorry, but but we're uh, we're doing great in central midfield and, and we don't need you. Uh, you know, like you said last year, like you just said, Ed, his legs have gone. Yeah, I mean, look, there's, a, there's an element of cognitive dissonance about it, isn't there? You know, as you said, great to see Paul Scholes back but but you know the facts are facts are very different and this is not going to be a title winning change from Manchester United but far from it I mean the, the fact is United short in midfield Darren Gibson looks like he's off we'll talk about that a bit more depth uh, in a bit and uh, Tom Cleverley is not back for a while I, I took a hell of a lot of heat on Twitter when I said some time ago that Tom Cleverley would not be back for some time ankle injuries are, are very serious and uh, and because it's a movable joint it, they don't heal uniformly so Anderson is nowhere near Matt Sharp even though he's looking as we said last week quite trim and and so United are desperately short and, and there will be games this season where we may well end up playing Giggs and Skulls and Carrick in the midfield and you know talk about dynamic midfield there you know, it's, uh, so United are really sure of, of what now appears like a, a three horse race for the title is Spurs and City probably the least dynamic central midfield of of all of them, so and which will be a problem, but but got away with it against City, uh, even even though it was a pretty pretty poor second half performance by United. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful first half performance, absolutely magical stuff. Uh, Rooney's first half, he he got man of the match in a few places, and that was understandable. Although I mean, he he dropped off a cliff in the second half. He was phenomenal in the first half. At the, the for 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 City's for United's first goal, he laid the ball out to Valencia, and the waiting and placement on the pass was absolutely perfect and it made me sort of raise an eyebrow and think oh hello because normally the uh, Rooney's weight the the weighting on Rooney's passing is a fantastic indicator of what kind of form he's in because he slightly over or undercooks his passes when his touch is not quite there because everything he's trying is at a very high level I think um, but it was just absolutely perfect and it, it, I was kind of I thought oh maybe Rooney's going to have a good game and Valencia put the ball in and Rooney put a phenomenal effort in to head the ball into the back of the net yeah yeah yeah, great header, great header. I mean, how, how often has that worked in, in the last couple of years? Valencia and Rooney combination and, and Rooney scoring with this header. It, it is, Valencia is having a fine time of it at the moment uh, when he's not been playing it right back. And, and it was a great goal from Rooney. And you're right, he was he was on fire. I thought Welbeck was excellent too. And uh, real movement from Welbeck. And, and he, he does offer United something very different to any of the other strikers in the squad at the moment. And really, really proving himself as a, a you know, a fine top class all-round forward. And I think it's fair to describe it as... As an absolute wonder goal, Danny Welbeck's goal. Brilliant finish, brilliant finish. I mean, it was a, a bit of fortune in terms of how it got to him, but just just a cracking finish and, and no chance for Pantillimon. No, I mean, De Jong probably could have done better, but much as maybe Rio could have done better for Denver Bar's goal, but you can't take anything away at all from the strike. Pure instinct, and I think Danny Welbeck's going to be an international superstar in world football. I, I just think, I think he's got everything, and he looks incredibly good to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, of course, if he was a true international superstar, he could have done it Mexican style and got off the ground and scissor kicked it in. No, but he's got more control over it this way. I think that's. I think he 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 played just the perfect finish. It was it was lovely. He looked really annoyed when he was subbed off in the second half as well. Really annoyed. Well, he was having a good game. He was having a good game. Yeah. Although, although I mean, to be fair, no one really had a good game from from United uh, in the second half, did they? 
so. I mean, the drop-off before in performance must be concerning for Ferguson. As good as that first half was from United, with an extra man, United just fell off the cliff, as you put it, in the second half. There was just nothing. I mean, the passing was poor, gave away the ball, very little intensity, it slowed right down, and there was no way you could say that City looked like they were a man short. In fact, they were extremely dangerous on the break for, a, for an awful lot of it. I mean, it looked more like the other way around, really. It really did look like United were a man short. And one of the reasons for that, I mean, listen, uh, I, I saw somebody tweeted, Liam from the Red Dead podcast tweeted, at me that Scott he thinks genuinely thinks that Skulls basically won us the game uh, by by the way we retain possession and I think in the last 10 minutes there's a strong argument for that I mean his pass completion was 97% which is you know only partly a relevant statistic but I think in the last 10 minutes it was very relevant because City's great moral victory fight back was actually had all the wind sucked out of it by Paul Scholes's passing and United just kept the ball for long passages of play and took all the sting out of City's kind of glorious attack and I was thinking that the, the argument that it was some sort of moral victory for City I mean okay yeah they did do very well coming back uh, to 3-2 but United effectively stopped them from getting that 3-2 turning into a a draw or a victory to them and in our prime we would never have been gloating about almost coming back from 3-0 down we would actually have come back from 3-0 down oh yeah ab- absolutely but I mean that's just that's just City isn't it small club small mentality still they're still they're still the little club with the chip on the shoulder about this so I mean uh, I, yeah it's um it was a bit pathetic really and, and and the fact that there were thousands of empty seats at the Eastlands it was just embarrassing this is a derby for God's sake it's a derby and they've got 500 million pounds worth of talent uh, in the squad and the City fans can't be bothered to turn up I don't get it I don't get it either I mean I'm not being funny about that it's not a dig at City or City fans I genuinely don't get it is it just that their level of support is just not there is it no yeah I mean that's that's about right I mean look at their historical level of support so yeah they they get their historical level of support I mean I guess there's the fact it was on TV, national TV, not subscription TV, and there's a lot of games and all of that. We'll all play into it, of course, you know, which is fair enough. But, but it was just, I just thought it was disappointing, really. Anytime you tweet anything like that, you get a barrage of blues on Twitter saying, oh, you're obsessed with our attendance figures. Uh, no, it's just it's just a little bit odd, given all the bravado, I think, from, from the club about uh, where they're going and being the biggest club in the world and all of that. The, the, the fans still not turning up. So the Skulls thing, over and above the decision to bring him back which I'm sure we will come back to again and again on the, the podcast because because if anyone had any doubts that Glazenomics was in full effect at Manchester United that this is this is just cast iron proof of it but over and above the off the field aspect of Skulls coming back what did you make of Fergie's timing of introducing him to the game it felt very early to me to bring him on at 60 minutes almost as if he was trying to prove that he'd come back as a, as a full member of the squad you know not just for the last 10 minutes but really he didn't become effective till the last 10 minutes and he looked absolutely shattered yeah well he's not he's not fit so yeah it was very early i thought it was very early and it it, it kind of signaled a change in how united were playing and and really in many ways handed the attacking uh, initiative to city and said hey come come and attack us you know and and sure united kept the ball but you know we're we're a one linesman's decision on a phil jones handball away from drawing that game so uh, very fortunate in the end uh, and it was a, a position we should absolutely never have been in given the context of the game and 
and that we're a man up and, and all of that. So um, got to be got to count ourselves fortunate and probably have to be a little bit better in the fourth round, which is going to be a bit of a tasty tie, wouldn't you say? Against no, it's it. just away at Anfield with the context of everything that's going on. It, it's going to be interesting. I'm not surprised the police moved it to 12.45 and I'm surprised they didn't even move it earlier. A seven o'clock kickoff would have been sensible, I think. So 12.45, uh, everyone can get a few beers in them still, which, uh, which is cause for concern. Never, ever have I been more gutted about an FA Cup draw and it's got nothing to do with not wanting a difficult fixture because you know I, I think we're a much better team than Liverpool at the moment but it, it's just going to be horrifically ugly and I'm, I'm not looking forward to seeing it one little tiny bit well yeah maybe I mean but it always is Anfield anyway so what's the difference uh, I think you look and Patrice Ever is, is captain for the rest of the season he will captain the side uh, at Anfield and that's all that's really needed from, from United just to go there and beat them you know and the rest of it's kind of superfluous now it's it's the Liverpool fans and public and management and executive that are still obsessed with this and I think United have moved on uh, and moved on very quickly from this so I hope that none of the the, the rest of it you know, translates into anything ugly on the pitch or from the stand but unfortunately it probably will be won't it so still Liverpool as a club haven't moved on there's still been no proper apology and, and it's really difficult for, for Liverpool fans to move on from this until, until the club do they're still in some kind of massive denial about what's happened and and it makes it's going to make in a few weeks time for a pretty hot atmosphere in that game and that's a real shame yeah, absolutely i'm one i'm i'm really not looking forward to at all the the city game the skull situation it was it was an incredibly surreal occasion the fact that we were 3-0 up at half time our fans doing the world's first ever ironic poznan i think it's risky that actually i say it's the first ever but city fans i'm pretty sure started doing it ironically and then they realized it was you know it's fashionable to make fun of the Poznan of course if you're a United fan it's a oh what a stupid thing to do uh, but it looks fun and I think the problem with doing it ironically is you do it and then it's like oh no wait a minute actually this was quite fun no there's, there's, there's no chance there's no chance of course, I mean of course United fans were, were having a disco on the Stratford end many many moons ago which produced a very similar effect so you know, I'm, you know I don't think there's anything new really fans fans like to do what fans do and some of that's dancing around the stands and behaving like idiots and, and Poznan's particularly idiotic oh, you don't actually you're not actually looking at the pitch <laughs> only for a minute or two though you know it's all right it's it's which which when it comes to cities probably fair enough actually you know? <laughs> yes yes that's why the fans of Poznan started doing it in the first place yeah anyway so through fourth round it's good I mean we, we said last week how important that was and I do think it was important for United to to have got that win in whatever fashion in a way because because otherwise think about the the you know destruction in confidence that had been three defeats on the trot out of another competition City on a high and uh, that was unthinkable really and, and now even if City haven't come out of that feeling like their their morale's been bashed a little bit it's it's all momentum isn't it I mean uh, they lost at Liverpool in the Carling Cup lost to United lost a couple of league games that's four and eight now I mean that's uh, that's going from you know a mini blip in form to, to something pretty serious um, even if they are still three points ahead of the league and, and I think for United that's all good that's all good you want you want their, their confidence to be tested even if they have got a really big strong squad and can cope with some of the injuries and African Cup of Nations call-ups uh, you want the people who are there to be put under pressure and then hopefully this little blip is doing it so that's a, I think a very important win for United just phenomenal absolutely phenomenal and you know the fact that City's next game 
was a Carling Cup semi-final first leg, which they also lost. You know, it does show that there is something going on there, isn't there? You know, because they they were looked completely impenetrable at home last time Liverpool turned up there. There was no way, you know, why, no way on earth they would they would have won that game. Yeah, and then and in fact they were completely dismal against Liverpool in the Carling Cup. A pretty poor game all round, and and City were completely toothless. And and and, and they're missing David Silva. Apparently not uh, a broken ankle, and will be back quite soon. Uh, not that I'd wish a broken ankle on David Silva. I think he's a magic little player, but you know him being out for a few games certainly wouldn't harm any, would it? And uh, Mario Balotelli looks like he's got uh, an injury of some kind. Obviously, Yaya Torre, real force in midfield. That is a big loss for them. And he, um, depending on how far Ivory Coast go, he could be out for the next month or so, and so he's going to miss some key games there. So it's a challenging time for City, and, and I'm sure that Ferguson will a have uh, believed this will have happened at some point this season, and be very happy about it. Vive la Côte d'Ivoire. Uh, indeed. Well, they've got a, they've got a decent side. Uh, I think I think my predictions for Ghana to win this one, but we'll see. It'll be interesting. I, I love the Africa Cup of Nations. I really do think that one of the reasons that Fergie has never bought a top-level African player is because of the Africa Cup of Nations. Quinton Fortune, Jemba Jemba, Manucho, John Obi Mikel, even if he didn't ever actually play for United. He's, he's bought plenty of African you, players. You just named four players, none of whom are... I mean, Mikel, we, th- we all thought was going to be great, but none of whom are exactly top, top African players. I, I, no, I, he tried to buy Michael yeah, Essien. Yeah, we did. Just no, that's outbid. true. That's true. So, yeah, yeah, in fact, tried twice to buy Michael Essien once when he was a kid. So there you go. I, I, I think that's a bit nonsense. He just hasn't... No, I, I, I don't think it's nonsense. I, 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 I don't think it is. I think, he, I think it's a factor in Ferguson's thinking because... The, but if that's a factor, you might as well factor in South American players as well because they disappear over thousands of miles away you know, four or five times a season for qualification. It's not the same. So. It's not. It's not the same as they're definitely not going to be available to play for you for the whole of January. And and the South uh, South American game, our night time on a Wednesday night means it doesn't really finish till Thursday morning. They they fly the twelve hours or so. I mean, this happened to Hernandez all the time. Gets in late Thursday, has one day's training for a Saturday game. They don't play. So, so it may be fragmented, but it's, it's equally serious in terms of its impact. So I I, I mm. don't know. I, I don't know that strategically, Ferguson's going. I don't want some African players he's bought African players they just happen to be rubbish <laughs> well yeah that's key though isn't it because then their national team isn't going to do very well they come back quickly yeah <laughs> maybe maybe talking of a player who is not rubbish but uh, could also not be with United very much longer uh, Ravel Morrison awful lot of gossip going on about the United <laughs> prodigy talent best player since best law Charlton Gascoigne Giggs Scholes all the rest of them huge amount of hype uh, about him and he is a wonderful player when he wants to turn it on and had a couple of cameos and and increasing amount of media coverage that he is well a out of contract which was news to me and definitely thought he wasn't but uh, it seems to have been confirmed or at least not denied by United and B that United are actually prepared to sell him now which is a, a new one altogether yeah, we've had a question from at Dortega Zero saying what do we make of the talk that it might that Morrison might be off him and Paul Pogba seem to be the crown gems of the FA Youth Cup team last year well they were they uh, were indeed they, they, they were and, and Pogba's had a mixed season Morrison too I mean continued reports about uh, him not turning up for training and poor attitude and all of that and and if United you know, have actually sanctioned Sal, it won't be because I don't believe it's because of financial issues. I mean, I'm sure you know, being a local added sign the contract in a heartbeat. I think they've, if that's true, and I, you know, big if here because there's an awful lot of superfluous media 
commentary about Morrison, uh, it'll be because the club has finally given up on yes, him. Yes, which would be a shame. I, I'm not convinced by all the stuff that I've seen going on about it, though. People sort of flip out every time Ravel tweets anything, but he's just inarticulate. Yeah, and he's got a new agent as well, and I think we do have to bring that up because, you know, new agent agitating for a new contract may well try to put pressure on by, by suggesting stories in the press. So it was interesting because he, he moved from elite sports management and there was general consensus, I believe, that that, that was probably a good move from the club's point of view and and if if the new agency is attempting to engineer an either better deal or a move away for whatever reason which would appear to be madness uh, when you're a young player but you know it happens then um, then it's not such a good move that's the one side of the story the second side of the story is, is that the club are finally gone we can't change this guy and he's not going to make the top player that we once thought he would do then then that's a completely different situation altogether also brings into question mark United quality of United's youth at the moment because if, if Pogba is also potentially off potentially yeah, he's they've got a contract extension option with Pogba so there's no rush on that one how good you know really is our youth set up because we lose two of the supposed crown jewels and uh, either don't want to or can't make enough effort to keep them uh, the rest of them might be good enough but you know they weren't real stars and none of them are forcing their way into the side right now so it's a, that's a big issue I mean when Skulls came on it brings up a huge number of issues all at once there's there's all the financials but then there is also the fact that in the summer Ferguson said we can't sign a midfielder because we've got this wonderful young lad Paul Pogba at the club and we don't want to get in the way of his development I mean anyone that thinks that Sir Alex Ferguson isn't a massive liar just needs to look at that statement because we don't want to get in the way of his development but we're not going to play him we're going to play someone who quite literally is retired let alone the fact that Skulls came on ahead of Anderson Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course Darren Gibson not even on the bench I mean Pogba not even on the bench I mean Fergie can't have a lot of faith in them at the moment yet well he never plays them he didn't even play them in the Carling no, Cup yeah. no he doesn't think they're ready which is which is fair enough if they're not and, and I think in many ways they're not because two, two excellent players in the academy side last season who have intermittently shone with the reserves I mean Pogba I don't think has had a great season from, from what I've seen of him I, I don't watch every single reserve game but I watch as many as I can catch and and uh, I don't think from that uh, and other reports on him that he's had a wonderful season and and Ravel's always got the it's just got all the quality about him but um, you know so reports say still doesn't turn up for training all the time and then I can't see Ferguson accepting I mean well because it is completely unacceptable isn't it well it's your job as a footballer it's your job so if I didn't turn up for work and just didn't bother uh, I would be looking at a P45 which might well be the case with Ravel Morrison which would be a real shame but but yeah, coming back to the the point about how much quality and depth is there in that case, because if if the argument was that we're not spending money to compete in the transfer market because we've got all these great young players, well, if two of the great young players aren't with the club anymore, then what's left? I mean, uh, we have high hopes for Larnell Cole and Zikil Fries and and all the rest of them who've come through that process, but none of them stood out in the same way. Now, now we know all know how youth football works. It's not always the outstanding players at 15 who become the outstanding players at 20 and 25. And 30 and, and so you know the hope is that some of those players that, that are, are obviously you know a lot of them local lads and a lot of them Ferguson has faith in because he's put them in the squad recently uh, we hope they'll come through and get a chance and, but they've got to get a chance right? yeah and we'll uh, we'll get Nick from Man United Youth on the show sometime in the next few weeks to talk about all this stuff and one other player no longer I think we can describe him as a youthful player <laughs> looks like he's definitely on his way Darren Gibson of course he was definitely on his way in the summer and didn't quite happen 
happen, but the Boxing Day fiasco dinner with Johnny Evans and Wayne Rooney seems to have done for Gibson, not not been near the squad since, and Everton seem to wrap up a deal with him this winter. Boom, the G-bomb goes down the East Lanks Road to Everton, another one of, you know, along with Sunderland, United are a bit of a feeder club for Everton. It's where a lot of United cast-offs end up there, don't they? A few, Louis Sahar, Phil Neville. Yeah, Tim Howard. And Darren Gibson, that'll be four. That's a, you know, decent amount. Yeah, it looks like they're talking about a £2 million fee, which seems... I can't work out whether they mean that Everton will have to give us £2 million or the other way round. Um, uh, you know... Daily Mail claimed it as £1 million, which is interesting because the, they were talking about £6 million in the summer to Sunderland, but obviously they're, uh, they're so keen to get rid of Gibson now, they're slashing the fee. And I think, and to be fair, £1 million is probably closer to a realistic fee. It's definitely cut price, given that. Given Ginnelet, he's a Premier League player. Is he? Ish. Well, he's played in the Premier League, and <laughs> no, he's, right, he's, okay. he's like 24 years old, and United him having, have him on a contract, right? So there's inherent value in all of that. The thing about it is, if he doesn't go because they're not offering him enough money oh, that's crazy because that's why didn't we think he didn't go to Sunderland in the summer well that's what Sunderland claimed yeah Ferguson actually discounted that he said that wasn't true that they had changed their minds or changed the offer right oh well maybe it's that then but you know that anyway g- good luck to the lads but he's just not anywhere near good enough for United is he and and, and you know Paul Scholes he, he was retired and he got on the bench and on the pitch ahead of Darren Gibson uh, yeah it says it all really doesn't so, re- retirees, better than Darren Gibson. So, goodbye to Darren Gibson, we think, and, and hello to our listeners, many of whom have sent in questions this week, Paul. Yeah, absolutely. A question from our friend over at writtenoff underscore MUFC. In light of Scholes' return, which United player from the past would you bring to assist the current squad? Bobby Charlton. Stick him at the top of the midfield there. Yeah, I think that would do very nicely. Thanks. Brian Robson. Players at their peak. Roy Keane. Yeah, it's just that the side is missing. Frankly, Roy Keane would get in the midfield right now. He's got... It's got... the team has just got a Roy Keane-sized hole in it. I think he is the the number one player from the past who I would I would who I think this side needs. Of course, my answer to this question though is always going to be Eric, Monsieur le Président. <laughs> yeah, great great story this one. Eric Cantona running for president or or not? You might you might well be a publicity stunt for a charity, but uh, wouldn't it be great? I'd vote for him. Not that I would be allowed to, but you know, you, you're you're part cheese eating surrender monkey, aren't you? So yeah. I'm pretty sure I could get a vote if I really worked on it. I mean, I'd have to register dual nationality, which I haven't yet. But I think I would be prepared to do that for a chance to vote for Eric Cantona to be the president. Because what what could be better than that? I mean, apparently, yes, it's a, a publicity st- stunt for a, a French uh, housing charity, and I think it's wrong morally to be a annoyed with a charity but I'm a bit annoyed with them because that's really sad that was like so disappointing it was like Eric's gonna run for president that's amazing oh no he's absolutely not gonna run for president politically of course a, a little bit of a joke in France he called on the, the French public to create a run on the bank by withdrawing all their money and uh, no one actually did it so he took some flack for that but but uh, again you know a point of campaign for Cantona he clearly has some principles even if he doesn't actually want to go into active politics he's uh, he's someone who who wants to voice his opinion which is all well and good uh, although his bid for a presidential status is about as fake as the new york cosmos i don't know when you saw this story but a couple of weeks ago sacked sacked their chief executive who is he's english and he, he brought united brought them over to united for paul scholes's testimonial 
but they uh, they haven't yet secured an MLS berth for any of the future upcoming seasons, so they are still little more than a logo and Eric Cantona. There was a question from at Tad Davis 31 there about what Cantona's run for president is all about, and I think we can safely say it was halfway between politics and art. That's, you know, everything Cantona does is halfway between whatever he's doing and art. So the next question comes in from at we some underscore. As much as I love them, do we overhype our kids? Uh, I don't know how you talk about your kids, really. I mean, if they just get an A in maths, probably best not to necessarily assume they're going to be Albert Einstein. Yeah, well, I don't know about you, but I, I had my little one doing Japanese and Latin and Klingon at age two. Of course, that's not what he's really saying. He means our our U-team players. And I mean, it's one of the brilliant things about United, isn't it? That the, the fan base as a whole is completely crazy about the idea of young players coming through. And when it happens, it's just magic. It's absolutely magic. And, and we're seeing one right now in Danny Welbeck. And, and, and there are obviously prospects in the youth setup in a way that there haven't been for a long time. And I, I don't think they're overhyped. As a, I, I think there's some players in there with the talent to be the real deal in the future. So look, there's there's a difference between these players have got real talent and, you know, we hope, hope they're going to be players for United and these players are world beaters and they're going to turn into the next Xavi, Iniesta and Lionel Messi, right? Isn't it? And and sometimes it does go that far and, and social media has this way of, of uh, enhancing everything to the ultimate degree. And we've seen this this week, you know, going back to Morrison and Pogba, every time a story comes out about Morrison, uh, I, I've seen people go, well, you know, he wasn't good enough for United, get rid of him anyway. So, you know, if he doesn't want to play for United, we don't want him and and it's uh, two polar extremes, isn't it? So, yeah, in a way, I think the, the question's right there. Yeah, we do overhype them, and, and really, it should be just about delivery. You know, once these players actually come into the first team and start performing, then you can get really excited about them. But, but of course, you know, United has a long history with young players, and, and everyone likes to see it, and it's, uh, it's great when it happens. Not very often, though, is it? So, in truth, and, and Welbeck's a, a great one, we should savour that, because it isn't actually that often that United get a player through from the youth team to the first team who's a real star. I mean, the, the thing is it's a it's a fundamentally integrated part of the history of Manchester United it's a huge part of the reason that United are the force in the in world football that they are that twice in our history teams have been built from young players what three times in fact because the Busby Babe side that died in in Munich was was built on a principle where Matt Busby said go out around the country and find me the best young players out there and then Fergie built our perhaps is either is definitely either his best or second best side the 99 team out of a, a core of our, our young right, players yeah. and some of those some of those were still at the club when he built his next great side you know the, the 2008 Champions League winning side so you know it's just it's just such a crucial part of the identity of Manchester United and yeah probably people do get a bit overexcited about it but uh, Ravel Morrison's the level of his talent from what I've seen of him is genuinely extraordinary I mean, you know, he's got a long, long way to go yet before he's uh, Eric Cantona. Another question sent in here about the Rooney-Fergie debacle, which, which uh, is an interesting one from uh, Jotsack, at Jotsack on Twitter. Is is there too much made of, of what might have happened between Rooney and Fergie? I mean, we, we kind of do know now what happened. Uh, Rooney went on this night out. Fergie took umbrage to it, find him, dropped him. And, and ever since then, Rooney's been making an extra special effort to show his love and passion for Manchester United uh, tweeting about it a statement was released uh, there was some extraordinary badge kissing going on after he scored and 
What do you make of all this? Well, you know, my 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 badge kissing thoughts have been recorded many many times. I am fundamentally opposed to badge kissing in almost all circumstances. He, he wasn't just badge kissing. He was he was he was French yeah. badge kissing. He basically had his tongue out all over it. The thing is, I I can understand. It was one of those rare occasions where it did make sense because there was a story plastered over one of the back pages that said extraordinary 60 million move to Manchester City is on and there's no more for Rooney you know and there's no more public statement that that was not true than kissing the United badge at Eastlands because that does make it it does really put a somewhat of an obstacle into signing for Manchester City in the future if you're trying to keep your options open to engineer that move I mean it doesn't obviously doesn't make it impossible but it does it does make some difference to that because you know that it's going to be harder for you to integrate with their fans and all that stuff. You know, does it bother players anymore? I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure it does. Yeah, I think it does. No, I think it does. I think. I think. I think there was no need for him to be so Manchester United centric about that goal if if he really was thinking about going to City in the summer. But on the other hand, I think he's put himself in a very clever position, really, which is where he can just be all Man United all the time and keep his public face totally intact with the fans whilst his people agitate behind the scenes and get stories in papers to try and get Fergie not to have a go at their player. Well maybe it's a yeah it's an interesting theory that one. They were so quick to get that statement out denying a move and they, you know Stratford was involved with that as well as United and you could kind of feel his presence all over that. I think many of the stories that do come out in the papers are, are agent-driven uh, with Rooney. The, the Jim Lawson independent, he's off piece. I'm not sure it was. I, I, from what I gather, he has a very good source within Manchester United for that one. He might well have extrapolated. There was uh, tension between Ferguson and Rooney, which is you know not new, is it, uh, to uh, Ferguson's ready to let him go, uh, which was probably the leap too far. We'll see in the summer. You know, it's football. Everything happens, doesn't it? And you United are still a club seeking to make a profit out of the transfer market. I mean, that's a, that was one of the questions posed by the Glazer family five and a half years ago now, six years ago. And this is, you know, ingrained in United policy. If they can make a profit on the player, they certainly would. So someone did come in with a £60 million bid for Rooney. I, I wouldn't be altogether surprised that United accepted it. But but we'll see. That's for the summer. He's certainly not going any time soon. I mean, it would just be it would just be an absolutely bizarre thing, wouldn't it, to sell Rooney? It just seems like, I mean, you could just about get away with selling Ronaldo because Rooney's still there. But you sell Rooney and we're, we, I mean, we already look pretty short. But if that money wasn't spectacular, particularly well reinvested. Well, I mean, that's, that's all speculation, isn't it? We'll, we'll see what happens. But what do you, I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's a realistic possibility? I, I think if, there, if there's ongoing tension with manager and player, then of course there is. Yeah, history yeah. tells you that's true. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, the the ongoing tension, how, what, what do you make of that? I mean, one of the things that I was thinking was in when Rooney re-signed, a lot of the thing was, there was a lot of rumours going around that he had received assurances that significant monies would be spent on strengthening the squad well in fact he did because it was in the public statement right and so it was in the public statement that we assured Wayne Rooney that we, we are in the market for the very best players I mean you know yeah and the story behind the scenes of course and the Manchester United News ran this repeatedly that United had £150 million transfer pot to spend and Rooney had been told that you know X, Y and Z world class players would be joining United and of course none of it's happened so I mean in any case all of that was a cover story to get his massive new contract I mean of course he, he wants to win but he wanted to new contract as well. 
Yeah, but I mean, they have effectively gone back on that. If there was, if there is truth to that, if that was genuinely part of the thing that was part of that discussion, and he did say he's spoken to the owners. I remember Rooney saying that he'd spoken to the owners about the situation directly, which seems, I mean, that that wouldn't have been about his personal contract, I'm sure. So, I mean, he was not talking about Phil Jones and Ashley Young and David De Gea, was he? No, no, because there were three signings that didn't bridge the gap between United and, and Barcelona. In fact, you know, we've regressed from there and and are now trying to to you know keep at the challenge in in domestically and, and fallen by the wayside in Europe. I mean, it's going to be a very big summer. I know we're jumping ahead here, but it's going to be a very big summer for United because the the as we've as we said, the promise of youth hasn't been fulfilled yet. Um, there's Pogba and Morrison are no nearer to the first team than they were at the start of the season. Uh, cleverly, long-term injuries. Uh, still the rookie. Is is he going to be the the guy who makes a difference? Everyone a year older. Nemanja Vidic coming back from a horror injury. Rio Ferdinand possibly off. And certainly, certainly if not off, you know we'll get a reduced role, even more reduced role in the in the side next season. Question marks about other players. Uh, some you know like Carrick and Evra entering their thirties and. Uh, question with Dimitar Berbatov contract extension still not signed so oh, a whole load of questions around United's squad here which which will get addressed in one way or another and then then there's a big decision um, in the summer about uh, where money gets invested I note that Eric Harrison a former Manchester United youth team coach the guy who coached the class in 92 said do you think Paul Scholes can play another season after this one watch this space I was just going to say big summer do we extend Scholes' contract by another year or not uh, so in terms of Scholes the club have said folks and said the player came to me and said I'm missing it too much boss can I come back into the side do you think that's true because the first thing I thought was I just don't believe that I just think yeah it's the first thing I thought as well I thought it wasn't I, I didn't believe it either we've not had an in-depth interview from Skulls we've had a, a couple of a couple of you know, tidbits that basically said that yeah I was missing it too much I wanted to come back in which is you know the party line so I'm sure it was more than that I'm sure Ferguson has been watching Skulls in training and, and all thought uh, I am very short here and, uh, and the, the coincidental timing with Darren Gibson can't have been too much of a surprise really. No, uh, I mean it's good, it's clever party line because it does sort of seem reassuring and slightly less desperate to kind of give him a, a chance to come back as opposed to w- what we sort of think is actually going on. It is it is a good party line but it does feel like a party line to me. Yeah, he does indeed. In any case, uh, he will no doubt be in the squad for United's game at the weekend and uh, it's uh, it's another three pointer. We can send out our under fives for this one. In fact, I think I might send out my grand play. We are playing Bolton Wanderers. In fact, the last time I made that prediction, uh, United ended up losing to Blackburn. So, what, what do you make of this? Bolton, Old Trafford, got to be three points. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's no got to be about it because we lost to Blackburn. We could we could definitely lose this game. We we have every capacity possible to lose games. Uh, there's no 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 doubt that, that that's that's definitely on our radar. But Bolton terrible they've plummeted this season lost some very key players and i've just been having an absolute shocker owen Coyle does not look like he's going to be able to turn it around and and they look pretty much nailed on for relegation they do i mean you know drew macclesfield in the fa cup at the weekend that can't have done anyone's confidence anyway um, win at 
Everton, which was a, a strange result indeed. Gary Hay- Cahill could well be off before this weekend's game, and, and they they look done, Bolton. I mean, it's it's really hard to see them getting out of the out of the trouble. I mean, they they are lucky in that Blackburn are also rubbish, and QPR have a nightmare next couple of months where they're playing basically all the top half of the table. So that could help Bolton somewhat. But if they're if they're going to sell one of their better defenders and and defending isn't their strong suit anyway, it's it's going to be real trouble for them. United can't screw this one up, can they? I mean, you know, well, yes, they can because they did against Blackburn, and and Blackburn are just as bad. Well, they're worse than Bolton uh, on on paper. They're bottom of the table, and Bolton are only only one point off. You know, not being in the relegation zone anymore. I think no no conversation about relegation this season can be complete without a discussion of Mick McCarthy's Wolves, who look hapless, who move from looking hapless to world beating. They just don't seem to be able to get up for it in you know anything other than the most high profile game is very peculiar very peculiar there's six clubs in it right or oh, five or I mean I, I, West Brom are safe right uh, yeah well think, not safe but you think there's enough about them and, and yeah it's, it's, it's you know, Blackburn Bolton Wigan QPR Wolves and, uh, and three of those five will go down I mean Norwich Norwich are currently ninth in the table with 25 points and the, and the teams in, in the relegation zone have 16 or less but you know at looking at the, the kind of clubs a bit further up Norwich and Swansea both of those could go on a really bad run at some point although they do appear to be I mean I think Swansea's home form and the fact that they're, they're very hard to beat and you know does at home yeah. at home is, is, a, is a big factor and, and Norwich Norwich just actually look like a pretty good side and they've got an excellent excellent manager and which which of course is what everyone thought about Owen Coyle but yeah. his, his record is, is basically worse than his predecessors so I mean, uh, the, there's got to be pressure on at some point. I mean, if Phil Gartside wanted to make a change, it might be about now that he's thinking about it. Yeah, and I mean, it'd be very harsh to be sacked for losing at United, but it, it, it is the transfer window, and Neil Warnock's just been sacked. Interesting, Makeda went on loan to QPR, and Warnock was instantly sacked. Uh, the boys, the boys got some sort of loan curse. Don't don't take Makeda on loan if you're a manager. Yeah, well, you know, he could be relegated two years in a row. There's a, there's a good chance of that actually. QPR do have a really bad schedule. I mean, they they could end up going into sort of mid-March on barely any more points than they've got right now and that'll be a real trouble for them if, if that's the case. Of course they've got a, a new striker haven't they? They've signed a retired Man United striker and Mark Hughes has, has signed to play for him. Have I got that right? Is that how it works? <laughs> yeah that's right yeah. He, he will be Mark uh, I want a big club Hughes uh, <laughs> stomped out of Fulham a little while ago and, and uh, insisting that he, he wanted to manage a Champions League club and uh, now he's uh, got the job of trying to keep, keep PR up, which is an interesting move for him. Really, you know, he had to do it as well, otherwise he'd become irrelevant. I mean, it's all very well saying you want to manage a Champions League club, but if there isn't a Champions League club willing to offer you a job, then you ought to take another one. Yeah, and taking one where in theory there may end up being pots of cash to spend on players means you might get the chance to turn them into a Champions League club, although actually I'm not seeing any evidence whatsoever that Mark Hughes is capable of doing that. I know he's, you know, he, he played for United and, and he we all loved Sparky. I mean, he was he was an amazing player and he scored some really important goals for us and as a kid he was an incredibly exciting player to watch because at any moment he would flying volley the ball which was always really exciting but he does seem to be a bit of a a bit of a what's it you know what I mean he's he's not doesn't seem to be like the world's best bloke does he Mark Hughes oh no he's a bit of a spiky K 
character, isn't he? Uh, by all accounts, and uh, and and a bit of and doesn't really get on with people that well. And uh, yeah, he's pretty opinionated, and, and has never got on with Fergie since since he moved into management. So it's uh, it's an interesting one. But look, he's he's also got the qualities that that might get QPR into safety. He had a, a very tough tackling physical Blackburn side, didn't he? And and I, I, I made a joke about him walking out on Fulham. I mean, he did have five years at Blackburn and four with a Welsh job, and so you know he's he's not habitually what well, he's not doing the Kevin Keegan every week but he, he did walk away from Fulham after a year for no particularly good reason And but he may well get QPR playing in a robust enough way that will keep them in the division yeah that'll be interesting to see but in the meantime their relegations rivals Bolton are coming to Old Trafford and I guess we'll see well we'll see Skulls won't we after 60 minutes again yeah pr- probably I, I don't think there'll be huge amounts of changes from the, the side that met uh, with City I mean there aren't huge amounts of changes that can be made it looks like Chris Smalling might be back and, and maybe Johnny Evans. Yeah, he was on the bench, wasn't he? That's good news. So, I mean, it, it is good news. Uh, a few more options in defence there. Uh, can stop playing midfielders there, which, uh, which will certainly help with the United security at the back I would hope and then get a bit more continuity in the central midfield and, and uh, we won't see Scott starting of course but we could see Anderson and uh, he, he needs some game time and, and uh, there may be some rotation of the strikers interesting if we see Berbatov or Hernandez of course no Berbatov on the bench for the City game one report he had a cold but also he's, he's definitely not Ferguson's favourite in uh, games away from home one thing that I think we didn't mention about the City game that's probably worth pointing out is Phil Jones had an absolute absolute stinker from start to finish yes and he could really do with a rest yeah I think. I, he's played an awful I mean including substitute appearances he's played more than anyone in the United uh, squad this season and he's 19 first first campaign in the red chair and, and yeah I think a few people have said he needs a rest now I'm sure he'll get a rest this weekend if Smalling's back uh, interesting because in in some ways I mean I agree he does he does need that rest but in some ways this is this is the perfect Phil Jones and Michael Carrick together in the centre of midfield game isn't it and if he was if he was kind of not not tired that would be it would be a fantastic option to go with I think because because you know you don't have to worry too much about Bolton's midfield tearing you apart so so kind of having the bombast of Jones and the and the the passing ability of Carrick working together might have been might have been pretty effective but but yeah I don't think we'll see that under the circumstances. No, I don't. I don't. And uh, I, oh, come on then, predictions. Uh, we get it wrong every single week. So um, let's predict a five-nil win to Bolton, shall we? No. <laughs> no, that's the thing. It won't work if you if we start kind of trying to trick it. It's not going to work. No, I mean, I, I think United will win comfortably. I think I, I don't think Bolton are great. Although they have got the, a really weird record on the. I think I'm right in saying this. Uh, on the road, Bolton have like won four and lost five or something like that. And uh, so right. they, there's something in this Bolton side that does get wins, but I can't see it happening at Old Trafford and I think it'll be a comfortable 3-0 win okay I, I'll say 2-0 because we'll, we'll we'll lack some sort of fluency for some reason but I hope you're right well, for the reason that we always lack some fluency <laughs> no, yeah yeah except sometimes when we're absolutely amazingly brilliant it, it still happens from time to time from time to it time it happened like three weeks ago yeah, yeah. we were brilliant so you know it's not impossible hey talking of teams who are not exactly brilliant uh, we've had a question from at Michael underscore 089 which I think I'm pretty sure I know your answer to Ed. Who would you rather won the Carling Cup, Liverpool or City? Well, I think the gods of injury and red cards are my choice for the Carling Cup, yeah. and and if not any any one of Crystal Palace.
Palace and, and Cardiff. I really don't care. Yeah, assuming that when he says City, he means Cardiff City. The answer is City. No, I, in all seriousness, no. Anything that City lose is good for us at the moment. Anytime City lose, that's good for us. It I is think. true. It is true. Any any knock to their confidence is good. Not not that we'd like to see Liverpool a going to Wembley because they haven't been there since you know, the White Horse and black and white TV. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we don't want to see them lifting any kind of silverware, do we? But yeah, for in, in terms of Premier League title race, I think the more City lose, the better. Yeah, and not, not just this season, but you know the seasons to come if we somehow survive the weight of Glazenomics and are still a title contender. Uh, we've had a few questions talking of title contenders just before we go. A number of people asking us about uh, Tottenham Hotspur, including at Amplified to Rock. They they won that much vaunted Summer Riots Memorial game in hand against Everton this week, and they look serious. Yeah, well, look, you can't discount them. You'd, you'd have to be a fool. They're on 45 points, same as United. The thing with Tottenham is that uh, over the next few weeks, they play uh, City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal and United. And apart from the United game, they're all on the road. The last of that series of games is on March the 9th. If they get through that one and they're still in contention, they've got a real shot. And so the, the squad's smaller than United's and City's, uh, but if they don't get major injuries to the big players, Modric, Adebayor, Bale, Lennon, and especially the central defenders because they are short there. If they don't get a load of injuries, if they come through this period, they've got a real shot at the title. I mean, you know, they are outsiders of the three-horse race, and I think it is a three-horse race now. But yeah, it would be amazing. The first time since, what, 1961 that they'll have lifted the title if they do it. I still don't think it'll happen, but, but you, you can't discount them now. They, they, uh, Harry Redknapp's got a very good side. And if he can keep his players together over the summer, which a genuine title... Well, he, he, he won't be keeping himself together over the summer because he'll be taking the England job. All right. Well, that, it's rather bad timing, isn't it? Tottenham finally look like they've got some genuine momentum. Oh, Harry Redknapp's tapping up of Denver Bar, by the way. <laughs> Outrageous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pete Donaldson on the Football Ramble said he might as well have been breastfeeding him strawberry syrup, which I thought was quite appropriate. Appropriate and disturbing, yes. Yeah, very. But Harry Redknapp is a disturbing man. Yeah, he. well, he is. I mean, you, you, you know that most of the tabloids have uh, the bank, as they like to call it, which is their file of, of sleaze and dirt on major players and managers and there's a substantial bank on Harry Redknapp so the FA will uh, will take appointing Harry Redknapp with uh, some advisement I'd say they're not going to do it are they you know they never gave Brian Clough the job they're, they're the most conservative organisation in the world well, who else are they going to give it to you they've said it's an Englishman who else Stuart Pearce hey Steve, Steve Steve come back Steve no you know what they'll give it to another uh, Manchester United assistant manager great Mickey Phelan wouldn't you like, like to see tight shots on the England touchline absolutely not so uh, on that note uh, we will leave you for another week thank you very much for listening it's much appreciated as always it's really helpful to us if you enjoy the show to stick a review on iTunes and we love comments on the United Rant page for the show Facebook's and the Twitter UTD Rantcast for me and at United Rant for Ed see you next week see you next week (laughs) 